gotta howl along with it. Let's jump right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to <laughs> in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with Dylan Shore. Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Dylan, what is Batman Forever? Batman Forever is the third film produced by Tim Burton, not directed by Tim Burton, but produced, directed by Joel Schumacher, and switching out Michael Keaton for Val Kilmer as Batman. Um, yeah, but this is still the same universe as those last two movies. It very much is. And I think you kind of, uh, it's an important key to unlock this movie that Tim Burton is still somewhere involved in this thing because it really does feel like the summation of what would have been a trilogy in terms of like the, the psychic arc of Batman through these movies. <laughs> we'll get into all of that in more before that. Have you seen anything else you want to talk about? Um, yes. Actually, me... before that, man, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to start this thing right off top with a, a big old giant rest in power to uh, Alex Trebek because yes. he's Titan in my life. And uh, as I think he was for a, anyone that really grew up in the 90s when Jeopardy was kind of the big game show you would watch. I mean, still, dude, it, when it hit net, there's like Netflix collections of it. And, you know, I, I would <laughs> down and watch it. I used to run home from school. I host a trivia game now. I, you know, am a big, 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 big fan and can't say anything that hasn't been said. He's a awesome dude. I just, I just see you as a kid. Mom, we have to get home. The Daily Double's already started. It's already double jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so that being said, uh, on to more positive news and fun things, maybe. What have you been watching? Let's see. I watched a Dustin Hoffman film from the 70s called Straight Time. It's oh. him, Gary Busey, before Crazy Gary Busey, after the car accident. It's like a legit good performance from Busey. I was really surprised. Wow. Um, well, I, I mean, Gary Busey's got a lot of legit good performances, but he he's does. always a bit unhinged, isn't he? <laughs> yes, that is very true. Um, so, uh, Hoffman former thief junkie gets out of prison and uh meets up with his good friend who is Busey and Busey yeah. is still a junkie and he uses in Hoffman's new apartment or like you know halfway house kind of place oh, and that could be against the rules yes and Hoffman even says it that could get him another 10 years and I believe Busey's like oh I'm sorry man <laughs> still shoots up In uh, yeah and then his parole officer comes and finds remnants of Busey using thinking that it's Hoffman he locks Hoffman up waiting for a piss test to come back negative and it does and the parole officer gets him out but Hoffman is extremely pissed at this point because he got locked up for no reason right. and he sabotages the rest of his life right there he fucking takes the wheel of the car and starts swerving all over the 10 freeway and then he gets the cop to pull over and he locks him to a fence on the side of the road with his handcuffs and steals his car and he goes on almost like a falling down type of journey. yeah that's definitely what's in my head right now yeah uh it's really good i really enjoyed it i think you would like it as well 
yeah, I got to check this out. That sounds wild. I kept waiting for you to tell me where this was going. And I, I didn't want to like spoil it, but like that's like the 30 minute mark of the movie where the story actually gets going. Wow. Okay. Super curious. Yeah. I, oh, take a look at that. Um, and then I watched, forgive me, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but uh, Hirokuza Koreeda. Uh, sure. um, a Japanese, I'm sorry, yeah, Japanese filmmaker who a few years ago had Shoplifters. Not yeah. sure if you remember that one. Yeah. He made his first uh, French slash English film. And it's got Juliette Binoche, Ethan Hawke, <laughs> and a few others I'm blanking on. But uh, All right. it's really good as well. They, uh, Ethan Hawke and Juliette Binoche are a couple that go to her family, her mom's house in France, in Paris, who is a really big French actress. And she's in the middle of writing a memoir and everyone is taking issues with the memoir, especially with something and a girl that took place many years ago. Really great movie. Very sweet, funny, weird family drama. (laughs) All right. Yeah, then, I've been uh, for stuff that's a little more just like uh, not connected to any reality that I'm aware of. So that sounds like a delight. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, and then to keep it in the Ethan Hawke vein, I watched all the episodes of The Good Lord Bird. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. The John Brown story. Is it yeah. terrific? It's amazing. It's hilarious. It's exciting to watch. And obviously, it's not all a true story. Like, its main story, its main plot that you follow is not true at all. But okay. it's so enticing. And so, like, the the whole story revolves around one boy who John Brown takes in but thinks he's a girl. So <laughs> okay. he used his name for Henry for Henrietta okay. and just went along with it and gave him a dress. And so this black boy's first thought is like, fuck it. I don't want to do any work. I don't want to get harmed. I want to be treated okay. I'm going to pose as a woman. And there's people that know he's a boy, but they just go along with it. It's really entertaining. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's really interesting because the John Brown story is really, really interesting on its own. So to take it to this place, I'm sure is uh, (laughs) worth exploring, man. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, that's it. Dope. All right. Well, on a TV note that has been delighting me, I've been, uh, I caught up with the first season of Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah? How is it? I haven't seen it. I love it, dude. Uh, I've heard nothing but good things. It's right in the pocket. And Barry Jabaka, or sorry, Billy Jabaka. Billy Jabaka. Jabka. Mm, Anyways. I don't know. <laughs> sorry. Those are two different people. William, Billy Jabka, the original Karate Kid. Deserves a fucking Emmy, man. He is so goddamn funny and full this, of wait, this, is, and this is the kid on... He's the Cobra Kai the, kid. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. leader. The leader of... Why am I blinking on his name? Uh, like the, the blonde the blonde dude. Yeah, the blonde or is dude. It, it's not the, the coach, right? It's the actual kid from no, the show. but the coach comes back for season two, and that's kind oh, of where I'm at right now. Get everyone. Dude... Yeah, Ruff Macho is obviously back as well. Yeah, uh, I knew that. Yeah, and the like the mom is back. The they're getting everyone back and they do a big like Miyagi tribute episode. It's so 
dialed in. It just knows exactly what it's doing from episode one, and it, it rolls about doing it. It's like a CW drama if they just broke out. Like, you know all the, like, I don't know, superhero ones? If instead of the superhero shit, they just broke out into karate fight? And just <laughs> <all the> <laughs> it, 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 like, um, does it feel cheesy at all? Hell yeah. It, no, it yeah. feels so perfectly cheesy. It knows, like, yeah, it's very cheesy and <laughs> dives into it and just lives there. And, you know, it's, it's swimming in a bowl of nacho cheese, not the, like, good melty stuff, the, like, gooey stuff from the gas station. Nice. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Karate Kid, uh, I was randomly just uh, – I've done it a few times, like, on purpose, but this time I just accidentally drove past it is the original apartment complex from the first movie, oh, uh, Reseda. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. It looks exactly the same. It's just as run down. The same signage is up. <laughs> hey, have I got an episode of television for you? Because this show points that out. Really? What is it? <laughs> it's like episode eight of season one. They go back there. Ralph Macchio and really? Billy Chap could go back, and like they are starting to bond at this point. Listen, I love this show. I'm not going to unpack this whole thing, but it's totally worth watching. I love that they brought the apartment complex back. That's awesome. They're doing every single detail as an episode, and just it, it's huh. so cheesy and fun, and you know, it's got that kind of like Netflix studio vibe in terms of the color space and like crunchy lighting. So I hate that. That bothers me. That's like the worst part about Netflix shows is that it's the same lighting pattern for everything they do. I mean, that's fair, but I, it's grown on me the way that ABC Studios lighting patterns have grown on me where I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what I'm watching. Here I am. That's it's fair. That sort of, ah, network yeah. TV. So good on them. At least yeah. they've cultivated a vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll run down a couple of movies real quick because it is a movie show. Um, and you know what? I'm going to uh, also brag about my wife because she's a really awesome woman. And towards the end of last week, she put on two movies in a row because I was like, I don't know. You pick. I, I'm fried. I can't even think of a movie. You, you put them on. And so she put on Superbad. And nice, then after yeah. that, she put on Old School. And uh, I had a moment where I was like, man, you just like – you get me like even if you don't know what you're doing you know what you're doing and she just looked at me like dummy i know what i'm doing i picked <laughs> movies stupid of course i did that on purpose i was like yeah of course you did you know exactly what you're doing so she deserves all the credit in the world for being a wonderful woman but those movies are really good and so good. super bad i think is it's great. You know what I mean? Like in the pantheon of great, great cinema, truly excellent going of age stuff. Same. Uh, a week before the election, the uh, Wisdoms, the Democrats for Wisconsin, oh, sure. uh, uh, were, they hosted a live virtual cast reunion and commentary of Superbad. So they got everyone back. Cool. And uh they watched the movie and we're just talking about it and man it was non-stop funny it was so good yep that movie's great it's hilarious the whole time and it's just it's it's so full of heart and so accurate and so mm -hmm. rich and warm and yeah and old school has it has one of my favorite jokes that you can't just say <laughs> like 
it, but if you could just say it. I mean, yeah, no, I'm going to, but like when like I tell people this is one of my favorite parts in old school and I'm like, it's funny to me because it's so like mean and just out of like this person just is out of context with the world and is super mean to Luke Wilson and the line just makes me piss my pants almost every time. Can you think of the line? It's in the beginning. You got to let me know. Okay, so when he leaves the conference in San Diego and he gets into the taxi cab mm-hmm. and he's like, uh, sir, your seatbelt doesn't appear to be working. What do you recommend I do? The guy turns around and he's like, I recommend you quit being such a faggot. You're in the back seat. <laughs> it's so mean and just like, oh, I don't know why I love that line so much. It's so insanely funny to me. It's it's brutal. I mean, it, I really like the base of the joke being like, I recommend I don't care about you at all. Oh, Stop yeah. talking to me. What is your fucking life about? <laughs> um, that movie, I, I don't know, man. There's a, um, um, I think one of the places that it does sexual politics really well is like inverting the Craig Kilborn character, right? Uh-huh. And that's something that uh, we all got to be aware of, folks. When the white man's telling you that guy did that, mm-hmm. you less want to be looking at the white man. <laughs> um, Juliet Lewis is also really good in it. She's super fucking funny in it. It's I'm really I, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like it's dense with jokes. It's super dense. That's all I'm going to say about it. But it's almost like ah it's high level comedy density in a way that like almost airplane movies are or there's a lot going oh, yeah. on it's that. just like a joke after another joke after another joke yeah every single thing that's happening is a joke in that movie and i appreciate it for that mm-hmm. same yeah uh one last one i got is the actually i was doing kind of a halloween hangover cure so I watched the skulls to get a little kind of, you know. Love it man. so bad, so bad. <laughs> that movie's wild bad. Yeah, it is. It's a little crazy to me that it, it hasn't had a revival as a cult movie because it's that level bad. Yeah, uh, I love it. I remember seeing it in theaters, uh, like on my birthday or like the day after my birthday, some right around there. And I remember it was an empty theater. And there's two other people walked in right before the trailers and I used to entertain my brother and his girlfriend at the time by doing Chris Farley impressions so I was up in the front of the theater right before the movie started doing Chris Farley stuff and these other people walked in and started laughing and I went to go sit down like no no no, keep going (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's probably better than anything you're going to get in the skulls if you're looking for quality entertainment but man oh man I don't know in terms of like Paul Walker's Walker's good I'll I'll give him that the like the kind of turncoat thing that he does so we see that scene play out twice you know and there's a a friend dying right him yeah spoiler alert for the skulls for sure sorry I didn't say what friend and it's not even Paul Walker's friend yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh he is super fantastic in it for sure and it's so is Joshua Jackson, like a perfect yeah. application of his energy is sort of like poor kid made it to the big leagues vibe. 
And oh. Leslie Bibb is great as well. Truly. And William Peterson and Craig T. Nelson in a tit a tat. Is that the phrase I'm looking for? A head of the skulls or they're, they're <laughs> yeah. a part of the skulls. Yeah, totally. Also, Steve Harris shows up for a little bit as Detective Sparrow. Oh, I didn't realize that was his name. Steve Harris. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those dudes. He's like, oh, yeah, he's been in everything. It's also, I don't know if it's written by, but it's directed by Rob Cohen, who did First Fast and the Furious and Triple X and okay. Daybreak with Stallone. So he's my favorite filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> you just named, like, legitimately two or three of my all-time comfort movies and Fast and Furious, of, obviously. Obviously. But I will, like, I'm not above Daylight. It's a terrible movie. But Daylight. Daylight, thank you. Not Daybreak. Yeah, <laughs> the Stallone one is Daylight. It's a tough one, but it's it's so just, like, formulaically a 90s disaster movie that I'm just, the beats of it make me feel warm inside. So... That's kind of what I've been up to. Should we talk about Batman Forever? Let's talk about Batman Forever. I love this movie, man. I do too. And the yeah. podcast. Yeah, done. Uh, that's all you got to say. Uh, yeah, this one is the first Batman movie I got to see in theaters. Uh, I remember the the standee. Uh, or what, yeah, like the big pop-up standees at movie theaters. Yeah. I remember walking in and see, I don't know if this was like the day of seeing the movie, but at like one point when the movie was coming out, I remember walking up to that standee and it just towering over me as a kid. I was like, I can't wait for this. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I don't believe I saw it in theaters. I do believe I had a VHS copy of it that I watched 10,000 times apparently. I definitely, I had VHSs of all of the Batman movies at some point in my life. But this one, I think because of the kind of cartoon nature of the violence, and I've discussed my limited viewing habits as a child because of the environment I grew up in. So, you know, anything with any real menace, I was kept away from for a long time. And this might've been one of the, the first ones that like kind of let the wall down, you know, so. Maybe. It's so it's so cartoony and campy. It's like, yeah, the menace is there. Like Jim Carrey's real in for how over the top Tommy Lee Jones is. He's pretty terrifying. <laughs> he really is. And the makeup. I, okay, so I, where should we start? Because uh, well, you said the makeup, and as a kid, I did not. I didn't know the Batman at the uh, at the or Ethaw. That's the proper way to say it. Uh, mm -hmm. At. Uh, Thank you, Walter. At that time as a kid. Thank you, Walter Sobchak. <laughs> uh, uh, I wasn't aware of it at this time. So I had no idea that was supposed to be burns on Harvey's face. Okay. And like to this day does not really look like burns to me. Like well, there's no. like pieces and hints of it in there, but it just looks like a purple face. <laughs> it definitely looks like a like an extreme take on an extreme burn, but it also looks cartoonish, you know? Yeah, and it does look cartoonish. And uh, I caught this and I took a photo. You remember this scene and the truck comes and he gets in right after? This is the actual scene right here play out. 
Okay, but yeah, yeah, it's Tommy Lee Jones jumping into the big truck that does the. Uh, look closely. Uh, look closely. Yeah. That is not Tommy Lee Jones. That is a guy in a face mask. Okay, so we were, we're looking at a stunt double. Yes, I just thought it was so crazy bizarre. It's really surreal looking, but I'm looking at a cell phone through a Zoom call. So yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I was also drawn to the pram, the baby stroller that was getting hit by the truck and uh, feeling very deep illusions to our Perestroika step sequence. Guys, I went to film school. <laughs> Battleship Potemkin. That's the one. That's the one. And uh, Naked Gun <laughs> two and a half which one is it it's one of the naked guns it's one of the naked guns also the untouchables uh did it pretty famously and since yes, we're doing, did. Uh, oh my R. god R. does Napalma do it in that yeah well since we're doing rips we should also talk about sean connery i don't think we have since uh his untimely passing as well hey man he has some good movies he's also got some weird ideologies <laughs> he's uh he's like a, a man <laughs> and that's the final word on sean connery let's move on to another man val kilmer how do you feel about him i think he's really boring in this and i really like val kilmer uh i think i, I, I take that back when he's not batman like and Bru he's bruce wayne he's definitely charming and he's got the look but when he's batman i don't know there's something kind of just dull about him that michael keaton michael keaton had like grounded gravitas val kilmer seems a little just grounded like it's just there i'm just here to talk like this and interesting i really i almost feel the opposite i like him a lot here as so i think he's a good batman and a bad bruce complete opposite okay yeah, because the the only thing he plays for me as Bruce is smug, right? And yeah, I'm not saying him as Bruce is great, but I like Kilmer's look. He looks incredible. Mm -hmm. And so he's maybe the first like jaw Batman, right? He's there to look good in the mask and he looks incredible. I agree with you that he's fairly boring as Batman, but I think that's kind of He's not the interesting part in this movie, and he's not the part that, like, if, for sure in the... Well, not, that's not necessarily true. I'm going to back off on that. But <laughs> Batman is, like, only an interesting character when he's being reflected against his archetype, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, such a, it's such an insane thing. Any superhero thing. So I read something earlier this week that's been bouncing in my brain, and it's that somebody on Twitter and I'm sorry to not give this person credit, but whoever they are is brilliant, said that Batman villains are theater kids and Marvel villains are like math club kids or chess club kids or, you know, but like art nerds versus science nerds. And to be Batman is to just be like this dark, stoic, gothic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of all his thing is, is like a, he's a shadow, right? And so to, when he's in the suit, he's kind of perfect for me because he's just a mannequin. That's what he's you need for great. Batman. Okay. I, hey, I'm not against that at all. So I to address the point about the smugness is, and that's to call into 
question into this conversation um, where Burton was headed with this thing and maybe why they didn't let him make this movie or what the thing I is? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he had the option to. I think he just said, I don't want to. I don't think that's true, but I recently listened to the Blank Check podcast about that and they, um, they Warner Brothers was going to make another one. They were not necessarily going to make another Burton one. Because Batman why let him come and do, like, produce it? Because I think the script was, I really think this is supposed to be the third of the trilogy, and that Batman Returns is so fucking weird that they were just like, no. And I'm not originating this opinion, but without that script work, I mean, you might as well just throw it out and go in a new direction, which is essentially what they did for the fourth one but you have this really good material here to work with. And the fact that like Chase Meridian yeah. wants to fuck Batman and is about getting him to confront Batman, right? And uh-huh. the fact that the third act set piece, sorry, the, it's the beginning. It's the first set piece in the third act, but it's when the Riddler goes into the Batcave right? Uh So this whole thing is about like tearing down his walls and like internalizing his bat self with his person self. And Michael Keaton's bat self is the only part of himself that's alive, right? Mm -hmm. And his Batman self is super fucking boring. He just like can't even engage with humanity. So... It's fine. It's great. It's super great. No, no, that's all good. What I'm saying here is this this script here, I kind of believe, demands these two previous movies in a way that's not necessarily being met. Mm-hmm. And so that's the real problem with Val Kilmer's Batman. It's not that he's a bad Batman or a bad Bruce Wayne. It's that the like underlying structure of this story is at odds with the movie that Joel Schumacher eventually made. It kind of reminds me of the story of, you know, um, shit, is it The Shadow or the, the Phantom? One of those early, you know, we should talk about it at some point, but one of those early uh, superhero adaptations was a Joe Dante script and everything was in place and then he got pulled off of it. And then the guy they hired to replace him was just kind of like a, you know, I don't want to besmirch him, but not an Artur, just a, you know, a, a good director who is capable of delivering a movie on a turnaround, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a skill that should be rewarded. But he didn't know it was a comedy. So they just shot this movie like a straight up 90s budget action movie. And it's weird as shit because it's a Joe Dante script that doesn't know it's a comedy. Hmm. And so this is like a Tim Burton script that doesn't know it's a psychosexual thriller. It, but it, it it does it because it's a Joel Schumacher movie, so it thinks it's a homoerotic thriller, which is yeah. awesome. And like the mishmash of these two things, the way it comes together, the way it specifically works and specifically doesn't work, like just every moment, I'm like, whoa, what, what is this? Where are we going? I, I'm uncomfortable, but I am enthralled. It's so good. Um. So here's some development history on the film. Okay. Um, 
Batman Returns was released in 92 with financial success and generally favorable reviews from critics, but Warner Brothers was disappointed with its box office run. Uh, after Batman Returns was deemed too dark and inappropriate for children, with McDonald's even shutting down their Happy Meal tie-in. <laughs> Warner, <laughs> Warner Brothers... Stop real quick. <laughs> Funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. Yeah, compose okay, uh, myself. Can you no, imagine? Can you imagine going into McDonald's like Batman? What? Okay, <laughs> it's just the penguin with the black blood coming out. <laughs> and that was like, yo, know, they should have done like Squid Ink burgers, you know? Oh, I would not eat that. Uh, totally eat that. Uh, Warner Brothers decided that this was the primary cause of the film's financial results and asked Burton to step down in favor of another director. A la Sam Raimi or John McTiernan was considered. Joel Schumacher was selected by Burton. Uh, husband and wife screenwriting couple Lee and Janet Scott Batchelor were brought on to write the script and agreed with Burton that the key element to Batman is his duality. And it's not just that Batman is Bruce Wayne. <laughs> the original script had a psychotic Riddler with a pet rat accompanying him. Oh, weird. Yeah, that's weird. I just want to sidetrack a little bit to ask you if you've seen Willard. Uh, which version? Yeah, of course you have. Moving on. Um, that's cool. I would like to see a, a, a rat crawling around on Jim Carrey. Should we talk about Jim Carrey? Yeah, because he's so good in this movie. He real good in this movie, man. Real good. Like, for how many cheesy lines he has, he delivers them perfectly. And he's sort of a, I mean, he is the personification of what titillates me about this and where I do think it really succeeds. I'll, I'll get around to that, but I think there's maybe, and it's, you can't blame him for doing it. This is 95, right? So you just put as much carry in anything as you possibly can at this point in your movie careers. But if for me, and this is just for me, but for me, if I was uh, going to steal a Scott Ackerman bit, I would talk about how there's maybe a little too much Carrie and not enough Jones watching it right now because Jones is fucking going for it. He is. Dude, like, from the first fucking scene, he is balls out crazy. And I'll tell you what. Tell me what. Fucking Schumacher. That I, yes, Jim Carrey is brilliant, but the fact that you thought about putting Tommy Lee Jones, who, like, still looks older like he looks like he's still 50 here he doesn't seem like the 30s harvey dent that most people would know and just mad props to schumacher for actually casting a heavyweight titan of an actor to give a performance that no one's ever seen him do in his life no and i don't think he's done anything like this again has ever he? ever I don't think so. I, I don't think he liked making this movie. <laughs> That's the story, is that he and Carrie were certainly at odds, and he didn't really uh, cotton to what it was. And But there's, again, this is not my thing. I don't know who I'm ripping this off from, but somebody said that uh, Tommy Lee Jones is better in movies that he doesn't like. 
because his thing is being angry. So yeah. if he kind of is like, fuck this movie, this is dumb, then he's going to convey that through all of his performances. And I, for whatever came together, he, his, he's, and it, okay, I'm trying to say two things at once. He's so good and he's so broad. And for me, it's, I, if I'm going to pick one performance, get ready for the hot take alert, guys. Jack Nicholson is not what I'm choosing for like crazy Batman villains in the 90s. This is no. wildly of so much fun, well, dude. What about of the 80s? Because the first Batman is 89. Okay, well, then I'm off the hook, aren't I? Uh, yeah, no. Tommy Lee takes it for the win. He does. Uh, so, and he and Jim Carrey, despite maybe not having a blast together, are having such a blast together. Like, there are scenes in this movie... I hate where, that they didn't... He didn't like Jim Carrey, because they are so good together. I mean, I have you ever seen that getting comedians and coffee car crap? With, yeah. I understand. And then the, the Man in the Moon documentary, too. So I'm not going to blame anyone for disliking Jim Carrey. That seems like a reasonable conclusion, frankly. But you still, I still love Jim. I do too. Oh no, no, yeah, and like I, I'm. He's awesome in this movie. He deserves all the credit he gets, and you know, he artists can do whatever, not whatever they want, but like, good on him. He can live his life. He's not bothering me. Have a blast, you know. All I'm mm -hmm. saying is, I, I, I could. I'm not like trying to go meet Jim Carrey in the immediate term, but I will watch all of his movies for a long time yeah. and he's so good in this thing and they're so good together like there's a scene where <laughs> i think it is the final set piece that begins with them playing battleship on a like weird yeah. you suck my battleship they're just chewing it up at each other and it's okay. so much damn fun and i so if this if i have one criticism and i have only one criticism it is that I could use, I want the, I want to tilt the balance back towards Tommy Lee Jones and a little less Jim Carrey because it's 1995 and Jim Carrey rules the cinematic universe. So you can't really tell him no, but if we were watching this movie at this point and they had equal screen time and Tommy Lee Jones was just busting through the door and like shimmying every <laughs> 15 minutes, oh my God, it'd be so good. So that's kind of, and then I also think it could be just for as over the top and as, as much fun as I'm having, two hours is a little too long for this. It, is, it, it is a little too long. And the, the little, opening scene feels like it goes on forever. And the it's opening only scene is perfect, magnificent master filmmaking. How dare you say anything? <laughs> no. The, for where it really bothers me, though, is the middle, where I'm kind of like, yeah, we have all of the characters are in place now. We just throw them at each other. That's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. And there's like a half hour in the second act that we don't really need. Definitely. Uh, fun game. What's your favorite cheesy line? I mean, I probably started with it, but riddle me this, riddle me that kind of ruled my childhood for a while. Since you asked, the holy rusted metal bit. Uh -huh. <laughs> it awoken the comedy nerd in me as a child because it's like a a not quite a fourth wall break but it's so metatextual that I was like wait what is, he's telling a joke about a joke here and it made me laugh so hard as a little kid and then watching it now 
I laughed really hard again because it's because Val Kilmer's reaction is to go, huh? Uh, like, he goes, huh? Twice. Just, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, my point that Batman is not a character. He's a mannequin. He's just there to be a shadow. It's fucking phenomenal. That's fine. Uh, my favorite cheesy line Don't. is the first two lines of the movie. Might just suggest a sandwich, sir. <laughs> drive through. <laughs> drive through. Cause okay, let's talk about drive through. They were clearly trying to win back the family consumers after scaring kids away from Happy Meals with Danny DeVito. Yep. And this is the birth of the Toyetic movie, right? Wow. Now that we now, wow, I didn't even put that into context until that moment the whole mcdonald's thing and then the drive-through line it's got to be connected (laughs) mcdonald like ronald mcdonald has a screenwriting credit on this movie (laughs) what is okay cool so Uh, the thing is is that they did really this is kind of the birth of the the toyetic movie where they really got in hardcore with the marketing campaigns being about a happy meal toy and like the christmas toys and the you know maybe video game might have been a little earlier here but it it was a real early cross media platform and in some scenes i really love it like i love the kind of detail on batman's costume that we didn't get before I, like, I, agree. I think all the costumes in this look really good. Even Robin's looks fucking dope to me. It's awesome. It almost yeah, looks like Robin's costume movie. would fit in the MCU. It looks fairly yeah. rounded. Yeah, totally. I, besides the nipples. Or, yeah, his had nipples in this, didn't it? Or is it the next one? You know what? I didn't notice the nipples, man. What I, I did, it had abs. It has abs. That's what it is. There's good abs. There's definitely a, like, the fifth shot in the movie right before the drive-through line is him belting up but it's like an undershot that is mostly bat dong so i appreciate that oh just wait till the opening shot of batman and robin dude it's (laughs) ass dick ass tits dick ass like it's it's them putting on their clothes and i'm like what are we what are we watching here (laughs) okay so I'll answer your question because I I think I know what we're watching here, and it is the single best Batman movie of Batman movies. And I'll Batman say that, forever. Yes, I really like yeah, this. I movie. thought you were saying Batman and Robin. I don't know Batman. You don't know. I'm going to talk about the movie that we're talking about today. Yeah, okay. But it's an achievement in camp. It really is tawdry, right? It's. Because, okay, we haven't talked about Nicole Kidman yet either, but she is dialed in from the first scene and she wants to fuck Batman. Hardcore. Not Bruce Wayne. Batman. Batman. Yeah. Right? Okay, I'm not going to unpack all of the set, whatever. But, oh my God, I have too many things to say about this movie and I love them all. Whatever you... whatever your feelings are about the sort of gratuitous nature or the innuendo of this movie i'm here for it you know but it's perfectly pitched camp everybody is going for it all the way i think everybody is really dialed in my only exception is 
uh, is Kilmer is a little weird, but it's only because of my context of what I think this story should be and where Keaton has brought Batman. But for just this movie on its own, his sort of like <laughs> attitude is right in the pocket with everybody else in terms of tempo and, and pacing and yeah, I and agree home. with you. And the the set pieces, the fact that it, the climax of this movie is like basically a nightclub, you know, like a multi-layered nightclub. The <laughs> the body suits on not just the Bat people, but like Jim Carrey in his. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also throw out to the uh, two cameos from Drew Barrymore as Sugar and oh, Debbie yeah. Mazar as Spice. Oh yeah. So like so random. I loved it, and they're they are two faces girls. So they're always on the other side of each other, playing his other halves. They got a I don't know. I really like that angel yeah. and a devil kind of dichotomy going on, uh-huh. sitting on the shoulders. It feels like all of this feels like a the Adam West stuff to the highest degree, or like the the like late 90s cartoons would get to this place where they were oh really- no this this movie obviously the next one mimics the tone even harder than this one does but this one felt like an episode of the batman tv show from the 60s it nails it so hard and it takes yeah. it to bigger places and it brings some of the biggest movie stars at the time doing some of the craziest stuff and they're all so, like, of a piece visually and energetically in a way that so few movies are. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's an insane-ass movie, but I think it's kind of an accomplishment. I don't know. Well, Maybe it's, I just no, it's, much. it's an insane movie. But if... I, I was saying it's the one of the best movies of the 90s in terms of it accomplishing a, a thoroughness of tone and executing at, at a studio level something that feels transgressive and like crowd pleasing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember where my thought was because that sound scared me, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's the... Uh, end of Halloween month time and I've been watching too many horror movies when you said what the fuck was that and walked out of the room on our zoom call I fully expected a ghost to come back (laughs) Uh, nope just a loud pounding of a mirror by my cats Um, speaking of cats I really do like the continuity that we're like I've said it before I've kind of made this point but the fact that Chase is questioning him about Catwoman and his previous yeah. sort of double self and where are you in all of this Bruce slash bat yeah I like okay I'll make a slightly different point with that that I like that it's at this point it feels like an uh like a um <laughs> damn it what's the word um anthology series uh, uh. It feels like an anthology series <laughs> so we have this continuation of a plot line from these first two movies but now it's new actors and it's got this whole other tone to it, but we're still telling the same story and it feels insane, but I love it. Like it's, it's what I expect in a way that I could have never predicted. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, also, I heard that there is a longer cut of this movie that really, like, dwells into, like, Harvey Dent and Riddler more. And, like, people, when they got Warner Brothers to fucking turn around and start funding Zack Snyder's uh, Snyder cut of Justice League again, which baffles the my mind. Never say those words again. Uh, well, apparently fans of this movie are trying to get Warner Brothers to release a Schumacher cut <laughs> of Batman Forever, but who knows if that will ever happen. I'm going to Twitter right now to join the chorus of voices that demand yeah, hashtag Schumacher cut. cut. That okay. I would, dude, I would, wow. Yes. Oh, I would watch it in a heartbeat. I was trying, I was stopping myself from declaring the number of hours of this that I would watch, but legit, if this was like a 10 episode miniseries, if this was a season, if this was 10 episodes, 100% I would watch at yeah. least a few more. Yep. Uh, I was going through the cast list and randomly, the last big name that's on here, he wasn't really big at the time, is John Favreau. Really? The assistant. And I just Googled oh, John Favreau right. and Batman Forever. And he's literally just in one shot walking yep. behind Ed Bagley Jr. and Val Kilmer in the lab where they go see Edward and Edward Nigma. Yep, he surely is. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Um I love they uh they do the ending again in Batman and Robin, but I like this one where it's Batman and Robin running in front of the light. It's very uh 90s. I don't know, it feels very of my childhood. That was one of my favorite shots always as a kid. It's I mean easily iconic. It's it certainly leans into the reputation that the movie holds. Mm -hmm. um, and want to throw another shout out here to exactly. the late great Michael Goff? Goff? Goff, I think. Goff, he, yeah. Alfred. Uh, played Alfred in all four movies. He, he holds these movies together. <laughs> Him and the, the commissioner. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The commissioner is throughout all of them, huh? Yeah. But Alfred is essentially no. Alfred's a little more punchy here. He yeah, up as well. Yeah, the the line where Robin comes down in his suit for the first time, and Batman's like, "Who's your tailor?" And Alfred's like, "I took the pleasure of doing it, sir." Or something like that. I was like, "Alfred, you're awesome, dude." He's sassy, buddy. He is. <laughs> I love this movie. I really do, man. I. I I think I'm going to, all I'm just, yeah, I'll just keep saying it. That's all that's going to happen. It's going to be another 20 minutes of me being like, and this is cool. And this is cool. And really, yeah. the Chris Farley show, because it works for me. And I really think there's an argument to be made that it is excellent. It's an accomplishment on its own terms. Mm -hmm. Congratulations okay. to everybody involved. I just, I just read something kind of crazy. Um, where do I start? Okay, I'm going to start a few sentences back. I don't know if it's going to lead into this properly, but let me see. Mark Hamill was going to get the role, but had turned it down due to contract issues. 
Robin appeared in the shooting script for Batman Returns, but was deleted due to the use of too many characters. Marlon Wayans had been cast in the role and signed for a potential sequel, but when Schumacher took over, he decided to open up casting to other actors. The, yeah, I think the story's a little more complex than that even. There's a, actually a Marlon Wayans Robin doll that you can get a hold of. For, Shut the fuck up! What? But, yeah, but it, it's been painted white-faced. Oh, that's terrible. Right, and so also, I, since he brought it up, there is a... Man, the legacy's fucking weird because Tim Burton cast... So... Dude, I would dig him as fucking Robin. That would have been cool. It would have been fucking rad. And how cool would it have been if Billy D. Williams had continued on as Harvey Dent and been Two Face in the third yeah. movie? Because that's where this thing was heading. And Tim Burton was definitely that's the movie that he had in mind. And then I don't know, a major studio wasn't interested in having Billy D. Williams be in their movie anymore for some reason. And that's something to consider because they also decided that Marlon Wayans couldn't be in the other movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, what a bummer. I fucking hate, I hate that. I hate yep. that about Hollywood. hate that about a lot of places, man. Um, it would have been really, really cool to see it. I think we've talked about it on our Don't Be a Menace to South Central World Drinking the Juice in the Hood episode. Marlon Wayans is underrated and as are all of the Wayans family. Absolutely. I love the Wayne show. I loved it all. The Wayne's bros. That's what it was. Um, and Billy D Williams is the fucking king of cool. Hells. Yes. So there's an alternate dimension where there's an even more interesting Batman forever. As it stands, this movie fucking rules. Mm-hmm.